Hey everybody, this is Pastor Zach with another episode of Victor Life Church's Conversations podcast. This is one I've been looking forward to for a while because I have my very good friend, Miss Kara Brandt, in the studio with me all the way from Redding, California. Kara is a ministry school graduate from Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, and she is just a precious friend of mine and my wife's, and we really just count her more than a friend now. She's family, and she's getting to spend a few days with us, and I could not let the visit pass by without getting her in the studio to do an episode with me, and uh, she's just a wealth of wisdom, uh, walks in a mantle of just peace, and uh, has a passion to see wholeness brought into people's lives, and uh, man, I'm just so excited to have her with us today. Kara, Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Kara is one of my most favorite people in the world. Uh, So getting to spend any amount of time talking about um, my most favorite person in the world, who's Jesus, with one of my (laughs) most favorite people, uh, is going to make for a great uh, 40, 45 minutes. We know what, we're just going to let God do what he wants to do. We're just going to see how long this is really going to be. This could be be a two-part. Yeah. We might we might pause, have an intermission, come back. That's right. Three four hour segment here, <laughs> but uh, Kara, I've you know I've given you that uh, this introduction already about what you've done most recently. <laughs> uh, but I mean your your journey with the Lord is obviously more than just the past three years of being at Bethel and you know experiencing the ministry school there. Um, is there anything that you want to speak to before we get started in regards to just your progression, your journey? Uh, how you've become passionate about the things that you're passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I, I hail from the the great Victory Life Church, so this is home. And, Amen. All good um, things start here. All good things start here. And return, because here you are doing the episode. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Or... Something about that, though. The word of the Lord won't return void, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> here I am. Here I am. Back with the word of the Lord. So, yeah, I started here. I actually was a part of Covenant Church, which was the uh, the church that used to be at the Sherman location. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when they transitioned out and you guys transitioned in, I had a lot of like hesitation. Um, that particular church was, I, I think, more on the evangelical side of things. Mm-hmm. And my faith was more on the evangelical side of things. And so uh, I probably had more that I didn't believe about God than I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, a lot of my life was built on what I could calculate, what I could prove, what I could um, like safely live in. Yeah. And because of that, I, I lived unknowingly pretty crippled as a person. And the fruit of that was everywhere around me. It was in my relationships. It was in, um, in my day-to-day, in my, in my time with my family. And, um, and so I think more than anything, firstly, I'm just so grateful for uh, Victory Life kind of began my journey of removing um, this, this creator of the universe from from the box that I had I kind of allowed him to exist in. Yeah, and I know you you and Serena were pretty elemental in that. Um, I think the first the first thing I ever heard about you was uh, your nickname, the Wusher. Yeah, <laughs> and just this idea that anytime you'd pray for someone, they would fall out in the spirit, and for someone who loves control and loves to be in control of their life. That is like a that big very red out of control. As a big red X, that is like I don't know who this guy is, but avoid him at all yes. costs. <laughs> and then you guys were awesome, and so it was hard to avoid. And and I know just like 
I would, I would come over to your house and we would just have conversations and the way that you and Serena would just like talk about the Lord and, um, and your process with him and what he was teaching you really just, I think, instilled in me a hunger for, Mm -hmm. for what was authentic. And, um, and so when I made the decision to go to Bethel, I didn't make the decision based off of what Bethel actually carried as a church. Like that actually scared me more than anything, but it was really out of an obedience to the Lord. And I actually, I sat you and Serena down Mm -hmm. and I was like, Hey, if any part of this is me, um, stop me. But so I went, I went to Bethel because I knew that if half of what they believed about the Lord was true, it, it changed everything for me. Yeah. Um, and if it wasn't the best way to figure it out was to be right there was to see it. Yeah. And so my original intention was to go for six months three and a half years later <laughs> and I'm, and I'm still there and, um, and it has just transformed every part of my being. But what I think is most interesting, and this is what I, I love the most about this journey is I went to a supernatural school of ministry really to learn to be a really good human. Mm. Um, and I found in this place that believes in the miraculous and the craziest things, um, that I could believe in myself and, mm. and believe in the Lord. And I really found mm. myself falling in love with me That's and, powerful. and that changed everything. So, yeah. yeah. You know, it, it brings up such a cool, such a cool point. Um, I want to go back and just touch on something that is very reminiscent of, of my story and my journey, but you mentioned about, you know, hearing some of the supernatural, you know, taglines on my life and Serena's life and that immediately posing some like uncomfort, uncomfort, like, can I connect to that? That's weird. That's out of control. That's out of the box. But then whenever you actually got into a relationship with us and others in leadership in the church, what I heard was, is that our ability to actually be normal <laughs> in, in, in relationship and yeah. you seeing the humanity uh, behind those things is actually what now has fostered relationship between us. Yeah, absolutely. And that was, that was so much my journey and my progression coming to victory. Um, because, you know, I came out of a, uh, first half of my church experience was Baptist. The second half of church experience for me growing up was Methodist. So the Baptists, man, they taught me the Bible and Mm -hmm. I knew the Bible like nobody's business. And I'm so grateful to my Baptist brothers and sisters for that because I (laughs) learned the Bible is awesome. Um, I got into the Methodist church and man, did they teach me the love of God. And God really loves you, <laughs> like loves you, loves you, loves you. Open hearts, open doors, open minds. It was just like, you know, just total acceptance, radical love of God. And that's that's a powerful thing. Mm. It's when I came to victory that I encountered the Holy Spirit. Um, and that's really when the reality of God's presence and power in my life and being able to be released through my life became that reality. And, you know, in the beginning, I think I would have had all those same skepticisms. I knew I did. I, I tell people now, if, if I was in a service the way I like a service to be now, <laughs> when I first started coming here, I would have never come back. Um, but it's exactly what you said. When I built relationship with the people, and then I found out their theology, and I found out their charismatic view of things, um, that's whenever I didn't have anything to argue with because I'd connected with somebody's life. And I knew that these people are actually stable. These people actually really do love God. They're not flaky. 
So it brought validity to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It brought validity to um, that supernatural power and that and that release of God. So connecting that to what you're talking about, you know, going to to Bethel that is marked as like the epicenter of like supernatural <laughs> God encounter, right? In 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 the church world today, um, it's just it's radical the Lord revealing to you that you went there to become a particular type of human being. Uh, and, and like you said, a good one, uh, a whole one, a sound one. And I really think that that's what, um, I think that's where our charismatic brothers and sisters sometimes have the potential to miss it is that they isolate the activity of the Holy spirit to faith filled moments instead of understanding that the Holy Spirit's actually empowering us to live a life of faithfulness mm, and empowering us to be a particular person, not just do particular things. Um, so I just think that's, that's radical in the sense of if people can really grab a hold of that, that the, superna- the most supernatural thing that God can do through you is to totally transform who you are. Mm. And uh, that's, that's your story. That's your progression. That's your, that's your journey. That is it. And I... I always remember like right before I left, Mark Carrillo did this like brilliant word where he was talking about uh, how a river is only as deep as its lowest bank Yeah, and uh, talked about the two banks of, mm-hmm. of uh, the move of the spirit and the word of God. Yeah. And, and so I'm, like I said, I'm so grateful for Victory Life because I really felt like I got a taste of, of the move of the spirit, but I got so much of the word of God Yeah, yeah. that when I stepped into this environment and I was... Uh, kind of exposed to things where I'm like, oh, this is actually very much outside of my comfort zone. I was able to like move away from uh, my need for certainty, which mm-hmm. is what drives most of us into like a religious mindset or a religious spirit is we, we need something that we can prove. We yeah. need something that we yeah, can uh, hold on to. And if we choose to hold on to a theology over, over the person of Jesus or the word of God, um, then we, we find ourselves in spaces we never really, really wanted to be. But I, I remembered like sitting there, um, one of my first, first days of Bethel looking around, like, what did I just get myself into? And, and remembering that word from Mark and just being like, oh, okay, like this is that move of the spirit where the word of God isn't as obviously present in it, mm-hmm. but because I have that living inside of me, like I actually get to, to create depth. And I think that's what I've done yeah. over the last three years is really Man. build that depth with the Lord. That's awesome. So, you know, this, this kind of is a perfect segue into what we said that we wanted to talk about today, uh, which is, you know, matters of the heart, heart health, if you will, uh, how we engage in the practice of cultivating a healthy soul um, what it means to come into a place of, of wholeness, of soundness. Um, and that's really what we mean by the peace of God. Mm. God's peace is, is not the absence of something, it's the presence of someone. Okay. And I think the more and more we come into an awareness of who that someone is, Jesus, and the capacity that he gives us. Um, you know, Jesus came to do two things, really, when you distill it down. One, to reveal to us what God is really like. But then the second thing is to reveal to us what a human being living in right relationship with God looks like. Um, and what I love so much about, about uh, Bethel, and I mean, I've, I have personally benefited and gleaned so much uh, from the teaching of the house and, and, uh, and all those, those things. I, I say the two streams that I have fed from in terms of communicators that have contributed to my growth and development have been my pastor, Pastor Duane, and then Bill Johnson, those two, those two voices 
have shaped me probably more than any uh, two other church leaders, you know, in the church world today. Um, so that that idea of wholeness, and you said you went to Bethel Supernatural School of Ministry <laughs> to become a really good person, to become a really good human. Yeah. Um, what does that look like and mean? And what are the take us through just kind of gleaning from you the wisdom and hindsight's 2020 right right so now that you're able to reflect back on that progression and that journey what have been the things that you've learned what are those what are those uh top of the list things that contribute to you coming into a place of wholeness in regards to your heart mm. and 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 your soul um because there, there's so many people in the church world that, especially when we talk about healing, uh, we're focused on something happening in, in, in our physical body when there's so much more, I think, that God wants to do beneath the surface in regards to our souls, our mind, our will, and our emotions. And that's really what the renewing of the mind is is about, that Paul speaks to us on. You know, we're, we're being renewed in our mind. Mm. Um, God doesn't want to remove our mind. He wants to renew it. Uh, be easier for us if he would just remove it sometimes, but he wants to renew it. There's there's intrinsic value and worth to it. Um, so people that are growing in just that understanding that God wants them to come into a place of, of wholeness. And one of the things I love about talking with you is that you bring you bring language to things that have just been emotions or unctions on the inside of me or people that I've talked with. Uh, you, you've got a language to help people actually take whatever thing might be going on on the inside of them and say, oh, okay, well, that's actually what it is. Um, so I know that's not really a question. It's more <laughs> of just me kind of turning the, the gears in your brain turning to the gears. release the creative juices. But uh, what, what does it mean to come into a place of, of wholeness in, in regards to your heart? That is a beautiful question. Um, for some reason, the the first thing that I started thinking about is I had this really beautiful moment uh, with one of the worship leader worship leaders there, who's um, who's really well known, and I was I was chatting with her just briefly, and I was like, I just want to let you know that every time I see you, I just see Jesus, and I'm just like so grateful mm-hmm. for that. And um, and she just so simply looked at me, and she's like, Thank you so much for for what you've said. I just try to look at him every day, and and mimic what I see Mm. and flash forward a a year. And I ran into her again and um, she actually came into one of our groups and, and prayed over us. And and when she prayed over me, she said this thing, she's like, keep it simple, make it plain. And I remember that first conversation that we had and there's, there's something about the simplicity of Jesus and there's something about being able to keep our eyes on him. And we, with wholeness, I think one of the things that we tend to do is overcomplicate it. Mm. Um, but wholeness is just, it's just to be a hundred percent. Yeah, that's good. And one of the things that is most interesting as I've, as I've studied, um, I do a lot and, and you know this, but you guys don't know this, but one of the things that I really love to talk about is I love to talk about boundaries and emotional health Mm -hmm. and how do we use boundaries not to live more comfortably, but to actually enable us to love as Jesus loved. And, and, um, what I found is when I was studying this and studying this, the concept of boundaries and the concept of 
wholeness is that uh, you really don't find wholeness mentioned in scripture, mm-hmm. which I think is fascinating because it's like the buzzword of the church today yeah. is like <laughs> how to become whole wholeness, like 30 days to becoming whole. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so when I went and I did this study, the only, the only real place that I found it was in Ephesians three. Mm-hmm. And, and it wasn't even the word wholeness in most translations. It was still this idea of just fullness and being, being over overflowing. Yeah. yeah. And uh it's in Ephesians three and it comes from this concept of being rooted and grounded in love. Mm. And and that's where you find wholeness is mm-hmm. through being rooted and grounded in love. And so kind of my journey with wholeness is how do I open up areas of my heart that aren't experiencing that love of God? And how do I enable enable myself to love more deeply and to love more whole like more wholeheartedly and yeah. that it's full heartedly. Yeah. And, um, and it's that thing of keeping, keeping it simple. So I think the first thing, like when you're, when you're pursuing wholeness is, um, put down the checklist and, and take a step back and realize that it comes from just looking at Jesus Mm -hmm. and and doing what you see him do. Mm -hmm. Um, one of my favorite examples of this, I like to look at Jesus's worst relationships, um, (laughs) cause we all love to look at the Pauls and and the Johns, the beloved of God. Yeah. Uh, the one whom Jesus loved. And I'm like, but there's this, this guy named Judas who chose to betray him. Yeah. Yet Jesus kept him in his inner circle for three years. Yeah. And, and I think about that a lot with myself of like the people that I've, I've known in life and the people that I've walked with and, and, uh, and then the people that I've let go because I'm like, you're actually unhealthy for me to be around. And so I threw up, uh, at the time what I thought was a boundary, um, but was actually just a a wall and a me running as far away from them as possible. And, um, and then I just came back to the feet of Jesus and he just kept pulling Judas forward again. This man who he knew would betray him, but he was able to stay, stay in love with his ability to separate the behaviors of man from the person of man. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's, that's one of the biggest steps to wholeness is being able to have such an ownership in your life uh, that you are so clear where the lines begin between a person and their agreement, between a person and their behavior. Mm. Um, and you're not shaken yeah. by, by that, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Man, you know, I've, I've, um, talking about the, the Judas thing, um, it's just amazing to me that first of all, um, you know, this, this, this is kind of this, uh, this thought that I've had because the scriptures say that Judas was pretty much helping himself to the collective purse, you know, of the, of the ministry team. But for some reason he was the one in charge of it. Uh, and we talk about, you know, the all knowing God, uh, knowing that Judas is a thief, but putting him in charge of the accounting department for the church. Like, um, there's, that's those types of things that should, if we really think about it, totally destroy our human conventions of what we really know about love, what we really know about believing in somebody. Um, you know, and even seeking the Lord on that, I feel like one of the things that that God spoke to me about that whole relationship between Jesus and Judas, because I've asked God, why? Like, why <laughs> did you keep him around? Why did you, you know, entrust him knowing that he was a thief with the money? And I felt just the Holy Spirit whisper to my heart and, and tell me that uh, 
nobody's going to be able to stand before Jesus and say that he didn't give them a chance. Mm. Um, nobody's ever going to be able to stand before Jesus and say, you didn't believe in me. Um, and I feel like if we're talking about becoming Christ-like, then the same thing should be true whenever people stand before us. They shouldn't be able to point and say, you never gave me an opportunity. Because when we talk about wholeness in my mind too, I think part of it is understanding what I'm 100% responsible for. I think a lot of people get into a trap of um, actually becoming divided internally instead of whole because they start assuming responsibility for other people's actions instead of understanding that my job isn't controlling their actions. My job is to control my response to their actions. So what you're talking about is actually rooted in, and what I'm hearing you say, is more about coming into a place of novel idea, fruit of the Holy Spirit, (laughs) self-control. Absolutely. Self-mastery in a sense of you are, and which is in scriptural terms looks like dying to self, right? The only way to really master it is to die to it, uh, to bury it, to reckon it dead, and to be alive to the Spirit of God. Um, so talking about boundaries and, and kind of digging a little deeper, what are the things that you've learned and grown in in regards to that 100% that you're responsible for and being able to let go of that piece that you that you can't control? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what does it look like to start living with that peace of mind, of body, of soul, of spirit? When so often we can we we can have the good heart we can we can entrust and we can say man I'm going to look past that character flaw I'm going to look past that developmental issue, but what do we do whenever the betrayal comes and we're left with that pain? What what do we do when we have to deal with mm. those emotions that come on the inside of us even when we choose to do the right thing and it doesn't work out? Because Judas is a perfect example. <laughs> Uh, and you know, you've seen the little memes on Facebook. You can have the best leader on the planet, the greatest teacher, <laughs> access to the to the best resources, and still be a Judas. Absolutely. Um, so how do you how do you coach people through helping them walk through that pain um, when those betrayals come, when those breakdowns in relationships come? How do you how do you stay whole in the midst of that? Yeah, those are phenomenal questions, and we got a couple of routes to go here. So I think one of the one of the first things that's really important to realize is that uh, Jesus didn't change the access that Judas had to him, but Jesus didn't let Judas inform his identity. That's good, right? And that's so good. having somebody in your life and loving them and extending grace and compassion to them. And, and even uh, extending a level of trust to them is different than allowing them to inform who you are. Man. Um, and this is a lesson hard learned <laughs> for yeah. me because growing up, um, the majority of, I don't, you know, it's so funny. You don't know when voices come in, but the, the majority of voice that kind of informed my soul was this thing. And it was, it was this phrase, it was like, don't be a burden. Mm-hmm. And so in everything that I did, it was don't be a burden, don't be a burden, don't be a burden. And and that carried into my friendships. And so what that looked like is I would go into spaces of friendship without having any need 
Um, like, I don't want anything from you. I, I just don't want to be a burden. I don't want to be a burden. I can't yeah. be a burden. So we're going to, we're actually going to focus on your needs and mm-hmm. we're going to make you a successful person. And I'm going to help inform your soul and your identity. Yeah. And on a very practical level, what this looked like is I formed highly codependent friendships mm-hmm. and I found people who had a whole lot of problems that we would get to solve together. That way I could be so fixated on their process that I never actually had to look at my own. And so the way that this manifested, um, at least the the realization that this was manifesting in my life is I actually went to Bethel and um, the kind of the consequence of moving a couple thousand miles across uh, the the state lines is that you you lose the majority of the friendships that you've once had and you're kind of starting over again. You gotta gotta rebuild, you gotta- Gotta rebuild. Um, And so I'm, I'm rebuilding and I find myself falling into this same pattern, but I'm in an environment that doesn't foster it as well. Cause again, you're, you're honest, you're in a school that's um, highly identity focused in the mm-hmm. first year. And um, so, so I'm people flying are a little real bit cool. more inward. Absolutely. The first year, yeah. A little bit more, yeah, a little bit more um, accountability driven. Like mm-hmm. what does it look like to be the best version of yourself? And yeah. so you have all these people around you with kind of a common vision and a common focus, which mm-hmm. j- just isn't the reality of the real world. Like yeah. everybody's kind of going their own way, doing yep. their own thing. And so I found myself there and um, falling into the same routines Mm -hmm. and trying to find people who uh, were broken enough that I could help, help through their process. And this isn't a, like, uh, an active thought in my mind. Like I genuinely think I'm just a phenomenal friend. Like yeah. that's what I think that I'm doing. I'm like, <laughs> I'm the best friend. I don't know how I always keep getting these horrible friendships, but yeah. I'm so wonderful. And, um, that's what, that, that's what I thought. And so it actually didn't happen until, um, the very end of the year, I was, I was really good friends with a girl and, uh, kind of the pattern of our friendship is anytime she would do something wrong, I, I would feel disconnection between us. It's mm-hmm. like codependency, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I remember I was like confronting her like one of our last days in town before the school year ended. And um, I was like, what are you doing wrong? She's like, why are you assuming that I'm doing something wrong? And I'm like, because I feel disconnected. And every time I feel disconnected, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. And she said, wow, that's really interesting that you think... Um, I'm the only one who can contribute to disconnection in this relationship. She's mm-hmm. like, actually, now that I think about it, I don't know you at all. Man. And so I'd spent an entire year, nine months with this person. Almost every single day, we had some form of connection yeah. and, and to walk away and, and to not be known at all was, it's kind of wild. Yeah. And so, um, and that's, that's, kind of the nature of codependency is you, you become one person. Yeah. And so oftentimes there will be a, uh, a more dominant personality with a more like, I'm going to come in and fill the needs personality. And, yeah. um, and so it was kind of in that moment though, that I realized I had very seldom actually lived a life of my own. I didn't mm-hmm. know what I liked. I didn't know what I needed. I didn't like, if you asked me what restaurant I wanted to go to for lunch, I'd say whatever you want to do. And it wasn't because I secretly had these things going on in my head and I just like shoved them down. I genuinely had so lost myself that yeah. I didn't have an opinion because yeah. um, I, di- I didn't believe that I, that I owned one. And so I, I know this feels a bit <laughs> obtuse, like where are we at no, in, no, in relation? But, um, but what I, f- what I found about this is when it comes to living holy, like it, everything really starts within mm-hmm. and, um, 
there's a, there's a guy in the culture at Bethel and he, he says it this way. He says, you'll never allow somebody to love you more than you love you. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so what I realized was I, I didn't love myself really at all. Mm-hmm. I didn't trust myself really at all. Uh, but I was also the person that I loved and trusted the most in the world, mm. um, which is kind of a scary thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, and what's crazy is we also only accept the love from Jesus that we believe that we deserve. Mm-hmm. And so my inability to love myself was inhibiting how the Lord could come in and transform me. It was inhibiting Man. how I could become whole. That's powerful. And I really had to take a couple hundred yards back uh, in my life and, yeah. uh, and figure out, man, like what, what caused this and why do I believe this? And so I talk about, uh, my first year at Bethel, like climbing a mountain, like it was really, really difficult, but, uh, I saw, saw things that I'd never seen before. I was at heights that I'd never been before. And my second year I refer to as falling down the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moments of a uh, high velocity impact, high impact yeah. by, uh, <laughs> high velocity soaring. And so, and that really was, uh, was what happened is I kind of came to this space where I became hyper aware of things that I was doing, the way that I had been my entire life, relationships that I'd been in. And I think the, one of, one of the roots of, of unhealthy relationship, which it's just a root in everything, but it's fear. Mm -hmm. And, and our response to fear is control. Yeah. And so my codependency was a form of me me controlling love. If I could find someone who needs me, they can't leave me. Mm. Um, if I cannot be a burden, then people want to keep me around. And it was yeah. all this defense mechanism to build in what I actually desired, which is love. Yeah. But what's difficult about that is if you look at first Corinthians, this definition of love that we're given, it, it can't fit in that. In fact, one of the first things that it says is that love can't be self-seeking. Yeah. Like then, what is it? What is it? Like, what am I doing? And um, and so, yes, yeah, so I really had to go on a journey and and figure out like how do I receive love love into my heart? And that was getting my eyes back back mm-hmm. on Jesus. And um, and it was when I did that and I got healthy. When we're in relationship with people, um, we ha- we have needs. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it helps us determine what our boundaries should be. I have emotional needs that when met lead to feelings of safety, security, connection. Uh, and when violated, they lead towards feelings of, I never want to do this again. I can't trust you and all of these things. And so what the problem is, whether we acknowledge that we have needs or not, we, we still have them. They're still there. Yeah, They're still there. <laughs> and so uh, what, what I found was happening is I was trying to live for somebody else's needs, but I was ignoring mine. And so what would happen is it would get to the point to where I'd be in relationship for so long that all of these things inside of me started screaming because nothing was being met. Mm. Um, and instead of recognizing that I was the one withholding that, I would blame whoever I was in the relationship with. Man. So they don't love me. Yeah. If they loved me, then they would do X, Y, and, and Z. Z. Yeah. Uh, but they don't. And so it would get to the point to where I would have so much pain that I couldn't even be around them anymore. And so mm-hmm. we would, we would lose relationship Yeah, and this would happen over and over again in my life because my love was self-seeking. It yeah. was all about how do I feel loved? How do I feel connected? And, um, and this isn't what we see Jesus do Yeah, because 
what he's mastered is is union with the with with the heavenly father. Yeah. And so his identity, his his acceptance of love is informed by the heavenly father. And so when he connects with man, it's not for the purpose of getting his needs met. Not man. to say that we never gave anything to Jesus that he needed. Yeah. But he didn't need it from a point of deprivation or from a point of, I won't survive if I don't have this, or even mm. from a place of lack. Like he always moved from sun, from sunship, yeah, completely yeah. full. And so everything that he received from us was the overflow. It was the overflow. Yeah. And, and that's how we're created to live. And so when he had Judas in his life mm-hmm. who violated probably everything that Jesus <laughs> stood for, yeah. His expectation on Judas wasn't to come in and to fill his needs. Mm. And so when he violated them, it wasn't taking him into a complete place of depravity, which is mm-hmm. what we see happen in our relationships with with man, right? Yeah, yeah. I I need something from you, Zach. You're my pastor. You're you're supposed to make me feel significant. Yeah. And so when you don't, when you walk past me in the hallway and you don't notice me, yeah. or when I text you and you never text me back and all this stuff, then it hits and it hits more than just to like, oh, that, that caused a little bit of pain. It hits and I'm devastated Yeah. because I, I'm already living as a bucket with a hole in it. So I don't mm. have any love. Yeah. So you just stripped something more from me that I already didn't have. Mm. And so what we find in this, in, again, in this, this wholeness movement is we find that people aren't taking ownership for that posturing themselves under the waterfall of the love of God. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they're looking to their neighbors and they're saying, you're supposed to love me and this is how I feel loved. But we have two main things that are happening there. We have people who actually aren't good communicators. Mm -hmm. And so the way that they they, uh, vocalize expectation Mm -hmm. is through manipulation, Mm -hmm. is through... passive aggressiveness, like yeah. all of these different voices are actually informing their need instead of coming from a pure place of love because love isn't self-seeking, mm-hmm. which is wild. Yeah. Um, and then we also have people who, um, well, that's all I got to say apparently. Yeah. Because <laughs> it went away. You draw a blank. There it is. Your turn. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it, I mean, if you can, if if people can really listen to what you just said, and allow the Holy Spirit to unpack that in their life, there is well at least three years worth <laughs> of a journey of revelation there. But the whole time you're talking, I'm reminded of this video that I watched of this rabbi talking about love, mm. and uh, it's just this old rabbi sitting there with a camera, and there and he's just doing this talk on uh, what he calls fish love. And he says, you know, um, most of what the world has and what people have when they say they love someone or they love something is, is fish love. He said, what I mean by fish love is, he said, you say that you love fish because of what it brings to you. Mm. He said, you know, when I, when I catch a fish and I cook it and I eat it, I say I love fish because I love the taste. I love what the fish brought to me. Mm. And he's using this, you know, metaphorically, of course, but he said, you know, I don't take into any consideration that that fish had to die for me to get pleasure. That fish had to die for me to get enjoyment. So fish love is all about taking things from people. And the, and whenever you give up or I can take from you what I benefit from and what's enjoyable to me and what brings me pleasure, I say I love you. So, but in actuality, God's kind of love isn't, isn't fish love. It, it's not about what I can take. It's about what I can give. 
when I'm adding value to somebody else and when I'm allowing myself to show the way that Christ did, that I'm not needing anything from you. What I want to do is actually add to you. That's when I'm engaging in in God's kind of love. Mm. And I think it's uh it's just a it's it's something that um okay, so I love Mumford and Sons. Just disclaimer, full disclaimer. And uh, they came out with this new album. Phenomenal. Oh, album. it's amazing. So there's a song on it called Delta and there's this line, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. It just goes does my love prefer others or does my love just make me feel good? <laughs> and and I feel like um, when we're talking about relationships and especially that question I asked about Judas, I mean, phenomenal answer that you just gave because the way that you're able to process that hurt, process that betrayal is Jesus really didn't have some sort of even expectation for Judas besides him hoping because love believes all things, hopes all things, that he would respond to his initiation. He would respond to his love, that Judas would respond to the love that Christ was giving to him. Absolutely. I talk about this a lot um, as, and it's hard because semantically or like word-wise, they're fairly similar, but kind of how I've learned to differentiate is having expectations on someone, which is like a specific requirement for them to meet versus expectancy, mm-hmm. which is um, this is this is what I w- would love to see come out of you versus this is how it has to come out of you for me to feel loved. Mm. And um, one of the things that I, I shared about just to kind of give a, a like a practical example of that, I love what you talked about with uh, uh, with the fish, fish love, fish love, yeah, fish love. I and and we talked about this briefly, but there's there's such a um, it's it's such a common occurrence these days for us to commoditize uh, things of the spirit. Mm-hmm. So we make love, we make trust, we make these attributes of the Lord something that you have to earn to receive. Mm-hmm. So um, I will trust you, uh, but you have to show me that. I can trust you first, Mm -hmm. which is interesting Mm -hmm. because we don't extend it as a gift. We actually, we exchange it as a good, Mm -hmm. Um, but we can't give what we don't have. Um, Which means if I, if I don't have any like trust for, let's say this is the place that I kind of found myself in a couple of years ago is again, I I didn't trust anyone more than I trusted myself and I didn't really trust myself. Mm which meant that I was holding the community around me responsible for giving me trust so that I could then give it back to them because mm-hmm. I didn't have anything to give them. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't give you trust without you first extending it to me, which is just, it's just like this interesting concept because I wasn't relying on the Lord as, as my source, but that's what we do with love. Um, love as well as it's this thing of like, well, if you love me the way that I I want to be loved, that fish type of love, then I can love you back. But right now I'm so depleted, I can't actually extend love to you Mm -hmm. uh, without first receiving it, which is actually what scripture talks about. We love because he first First loved loved us. And so the Lord actually actually made the great exchange for us initially. He said, here, you have all of this. Mm -hmm. And I think the beautiful thing about it is while he has an expectancy for us to love him back, it's not a requirement. Mm -mm. And so the same love that he extends to you and me, which we can feel tangibly experience, 
experientially, it's just this beautiful thing he gives to the atheist down the street. Mm-hmm. And um, he doesn't ration it out for his children. He actually gives mm-hmm. gives freely. And that's like the, the model that we get to live under. But it's that difference between expectation and expectancy. One yeah. commoditizes something. Like you have to yeah. exchange something back. And that's the other so is, oh, no, like I would like this is my hope. Yeah. This is my desire. I would love for you, but this isn't my need. Like I am not requiring you because then we're controlling, controlling, which is violating that Mm -hmm. definition of love. Man, you know, I think about that free gift of God's love, and it's consistent with anybody to and to anybody, Um, but it's not consistent on whether or not we receive it well, and really the state of our hearts and the state of our lives is determined by one thing exclusively, and it's how we choose to interact with God's love. Um, And this is something to me that um, the Lord even revealed. And I know we talked about when I was actually with you uh, in California, when Serena and I were both with you, but to me, this is even the revelation that God's given me on when we talk about hell Mm. and we talk about an eternal existence of suffering and torment you know, if if God is love and God's presence is an all-consuming fire, those are two things that the Scripture tells us God is, then we think about even people that are living a hell right now and will one day live a hell eternally is all based upon how I respond and react to God's love. Hmm. You know, fire doesn't change what it is or how it or, or, or what it does. We have to change what we bring into fire's presence. And God is this pure, holy fire of love. Um, and wrath really looks like receiving God's love incorrectly. Mm. Um, whenever, I, whenever I bring, uh, you know, dry grass, uh, chafe, stubble into the holy presence of God's fire of love, it's, it's exterminated. It's, it's totally vanquished. But when I bring silver and gold, precious stones into that fire, it's refined. And that's that being in Christ state. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, until we make a decision to be in Christ, we can't properly interact with the love of God. We can't properly interact with his presence. What is to an unbeliever, or I'll put it a step further, not even an unbeliever, somebody that's anti-God and is rejecting willfully, God's love is torturous. God's love is torment. God's love is, in that Judas category, I reject it. I, I'm offended. Uh, we constantly see this like overtone of offense and criticism in <laughs> Judas's life. You know, the woman that that, that cracks the costly perfume at Judas that could have been sold and given to the poor. It says he had no care about the poor. He wanted to be able to get his hands on that money. There's like this active will, willful rejection of God's love <laughs> that creates this hell uh, in the present time, and that eventually becomes the hell eternally. And, and what I feel hell really is is a place where you can never turn off God's love and you desperately want to, but he won't quit. So for us in paradise, yeah. that love is is the extravagant joy. It's the eternal hope. It's the thing that we, that we uh, indulge in divine pleasure for forever in. But when there's that willful rejection, it now becomes an eternal source of, of torment. Nothing could be more torturous than wanting somebody to stop loving you, to stop trying to engage with you, but they never will. Um, and, and, a, and a heart totally hardened and set against that love has now postured itself for a place of just eternal, eternal torment. Um, so for me, 
I think it comes back to even that Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when we talk about living in a place of wholeness, we're really talking about allowing ourselves to move into a place of heavenly existence. And that heavenly existence is either going to um, release an aroma for those seeking and searching to now be found, but there is an aroma released into the world in accordance with what what Paul writes in, in one of his letters that is an aroma of death and destruction and darkness. That's why we're not received by everyone. <laughs> but but I feel like what you're saying is is that on our end, we don't get to exclude. Our arms stay open like Christ's on the cross, and there's going to be the thief that says, if you really are God's son, save yourself. But in the same posture of looking at Jesus and seeing that posture of love and openness, one says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. But Jesus' arms are open to, to both. Uh, to me, in this cruciform idea of brokenness is where Jesus is showing us the greatest amount Absolutely. of wholeness. And that's, that's, just like, that's just like God to do that. And, man, I think I, I, the, the pieces that you're talking about right now are just they're, they're, they, are, they are literally like keys in the Spirit of God that if people will really listen to this and grab a hold of the things that you're saying, and, and really understand and ask, ask. And that's the thing, too. I, you know, sometimes we don't have because we don't ask, and then we ask, we ask wrongly. But really, we'll say, God, start manifesting this in my life by the Holy Spirit of what it means to be a whole person and how to get into that place of living in a posture of love and, and inclusion. And I think so often um, the reason that people struggle with that is because of that what you talked about, I think, at the very beginning. But it is this uh, addiction to certainty and this addiction to control is what it boils down to. Um, I can't stay in a place of love because in that place I actually make myself vulnerable and I can't control you anymore. So I kind of have to take you as you are. Um, And we we set these expectations on on people that uh, God God doesn't set. Um, it's all about will you fl- freely receive my love and respond to it because that in it, that what, what God's love is actually carrying is the capacity for transformation. And you talk about your life, you know, and being at Bethel and growing and really being transformed. And last night we were talking uh, when you're over at the house for dinner and you even said, you know, that uh, for you it's that Bethel was more than a ministry school. It was a, it was a transformational school. It's yeah. about transformation. Um, so that love of God really is what we, what we mean by the transforming property of the Holy Spirit, just allowing ourselves to grow in the depth of that love and to receive that love is, is how we are transformed as human beings, right? Absolutely. That's <laughs> so beautiful. I, I, I think to me that's, it's, it's so, it's so simple, but it doesn't mean it's easy. And we've got to encourage people to continue to to walk that path and to continue to walk that walk that road. So, um, what would you say to anybody listening that says, "Man, I, 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 I've never heard anything like that before." But man, does that sound like something that I need? <laughs> I, I need to take a first step that that direction. Um, I, I just know people listening to this, the revelation is going to start going off. I mean, mm-hmm. codependency is going to be revealed. Unhealthy expectations of others. Uh, divided hearts, uh, wounds from the past, things that people are have held on to way too long that all center around what they expect others to be 
instead of what God's expecting them to release. What would you say to somebody that says, man, I, I need to take a step toward wholeness. I need to take a step in that direction of allowing my heart now to be submitted to that that capacity that God wants me to carry. Mm. I got a couple of things, um, but the biggest step in, in what I would consider step one is give yourself grace. Mm. Like we, we as humanity, we don't, even, even the very first time we sinned, it was with the intention of becoming like God, mm-hmm. which is funny because we already were. We lost yeah. sight of it. Yeah. But that was the intention behind it is, is wanting to, become more, like to, him, to yeah. become more like God. And so I would say that uh, almost everybody you meet in life isn't doing horrible things mm-hmm. for the sake of doing horrible things. Like they're actually, there's some level of them that believes they're becoming like they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so with yourself, like extending compassion to your heart and realizing that these relationships that you found yourself in, these, these spaces where you have either um, not lived for your needs and abandoned your own heart or where you have maybe violated the hearts of others, uh, all came from a space of like you just needed love mm-hmm. like, and you believed that this was the best route to take it. Um, so I'd say step one is to to give yourself grace mm-hmm. and realize that like, oh, okay, what I needed was love. Mm-hmm. And then my my other favorite thing to do is I love to just pause and put my hand on my heart um, and just simple questions to the Lord. Like, Jesus, what's a better way? Mm-hmm. What's one step that I can move? Because one step for me I, is different than one step for you. Yeah. And in comparison, which I know, uh, I know you talk about, pretty decently here, Zach, yeah. uh, will kill you. Yeah. And so if one step for you looks like not responding to a text message from a manipulative relationship, mm-hmm. that's incredible. Yeah. Like, but your step may look different than someone else's. And and I, that's what I love about the Lord is he is so faithful to meet you in your journey. He is mm-hmm. so faithful to come at the stride which you are capable of meeting. Mm-hmm. And so obviously repenting, which is just just means to turn away, right? Yeah. To turn around. Yeah. Um, and recognizing like, oh, I actually haven't been living wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then also realizing that it's not this, sometimes, sometimes we, um, I said this before, but we overcomplicate things. So, oh, I'm not living wholeheartedly. And then we want like an 18 step process. I think Pastor Dwayne says this one step process, Jesus. One step, one step. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the truth is, is realizing that, um, that you are whole. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not about becoming whole. Mm-hmm. It's about maintaining whole. Yeah. And so every day you're washed anew. Mm-hmm. The Lord says, I've called you whole and you watch as you give yourself away. That's good. That's good. But you were created whole. Yeah. And you are whole. Because we're a new creation in Christ. We're a new creation in Christ. Yeah. So it's not about getting yourself clean. I love, I had a I had a really beautiful conversation. I might have shared this with you, Zach, but I have uh, have a coworker who, uh, had a coworker who, um, he is gay. He has been the majority of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, he was raised Christian though. And so he actually came to me working together one night. And um, he, he asked me, he said, Kara, do you believe that it's it's a sin for me to be gay? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, frick, why are yeah. we? <laughs> you know, never the question you want to answer. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, choose to live authentically. And I yeah. said, um, I said, yeah, I do. And you could just kind of see this, this kind of pain come over him. And I said, but you know what? 
I believe lots of things are sins. Yeah. I believe gluttony is a sin. Come on. I believe lying is a sin. Come on. I believe all of these. And I listed like things in my life yeah. that I was still working through. I was like, I yeah. do this. That's a sin. Yeah. Um, and I said, so good. I said, a sin's not so a sin good. because it's this horrible, how could you have ever, like, what were you thinking? Mm -hmm. It's like a sin is a sin because it leads you away from life. Yes. Um, it's contrary to God's it's design. It's contrary yeah. to his design. Yeah. And so, uh, and then he, he took it a step further and he said, do you think I need to stop what I'm doing right now? Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because in, in times past, I would have said, yes, absolutely. Stop what you're doing. But what I've learned is that our behavior is just behavior. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing that Jesus said about Judas. When he hung on the cross, he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. Mm -hmm. And if we change our behavior, it will manifest again, either in the same space mm -hmm. or in a new one. Because the Lord is after your heart. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know what I think you need to do right now? And I looked at him, I said, I think you need to invite the Holy Spirit and his truth Amen. because he's never going to ask you to do something he doesn't enable you to do. Amen. Um, and, and that's what I would say to anybody who's struggling with this or any other thing Anything. in their life is you are whole. You were created whole. Yes. It's about maintaining wholeness. Mm -hmm. And the Lord never asks you to do something that he doesn't enable you to do. That's grace. Uh, that is grace. Yeah. That is what he paid for. Yeah. And your behavior will change when your heart changes. That's awesome. And your heart changes when you get face to face with Jesus. That's amazing. It's like at the at the end of at the end of almost any service I preach, I say, "Hey, everybody, put your hand on your heart, because that's where the real work needs to happen." <laughs> that's, right, <laughs> you know? that's right. Lay your hands on where the real work needs to happen. Yeah. Hmm. Man, we we've got to do another episode. We do because we didn't get a chance to get over into boundaries. Oh, yeah. And and I really think that um, you spoke to something there at the end uh, that we've really got to dig into because um, when we talk about living life with a certain posture of I'm, in, I'm inviting all, I'm loving all, I'm serving all, I'm doing these things like we're talking about, and I'm not putting all these expectations on others, but we've really got to have another episode that we talk about boundaries and relationships, because I know what we're not saying and what you're not saying is that that means that people have all kinds of unlimited access to you, yeah, uh, because that not. actually falls back into that codependent thing. Sure does. Um, so... We need to do another episode and talk about boundaries. Um, and that. that'll be a little teaser for the people to say, <laughs> oh, yeah, we're going to have another of these episodes. Um, profound, anointed, um, but simple. Uh, and I think that's that's the trademarks of God being in something, and the Lord is definitely in you. Uh, with just your simplicity and the reality of what you're saying, but the but the profoundness and its, and its effect and its ability to cause change in people's lives. So... Thank you so much for taking time to do this with me. Thanks we're for gonna, having me. We're going to film another, or sorry, record <laughs> another episode soon. Uh, and I really think we get into talking about relationships and just healthy relationships um, and, and, and how to, um, because I, I believe like you do, boundaries are the make it or break it when it comes to keeping a relationship healthy. Um, Absolutely. People say communication is the bedrock of a relationship. I say boundaries are. Um, if you can't figure out boundaries, you'll never figure out communication. Absolutely. Um, so I'm all I'm all for you on that, and I'd love to just hear the wisdom come out of you in regard to that. And um, that piece there at the end about your coworker and how you handle that situation, my prayer is that more people that bear the name of Christ would learn how to interact with people that are hurting, lost, 
and hopeless the way that you did. Um, that to me is grace and truth. Uh, and that's what John said Jesus was full of. Um, so if you listen to this and you've been praying about ministering to a person in your life in a difficult situation, I hope that you got some revelation today um, from even the way that the Holy Spirit led Kara to handle that situation because it's the goodness of God that causes men to come into repentance. Uh, and God's goodness was on display then. And uh, there's going to be Judases in our lives that get to see God's goodness every single day and reject it. But there's going to be people that are searching, hurting, and hopeless that encounter that goodness and that now is able to bring them into the place of wholeness mm-hmm. that we're already living from. Kara, why don't you pray over anybody listening today All right. and just uh, speak a blessing over them. Oh, yeah. All right. So if you're listening, just put your hand on your heart. Jesus, I thank you that we don't have to do this alone. Amen. And I thank you, Lord, that you enable everything that you ask us to do, that your grace covers, that it overflows. And I just pray that as these beautiful people go about their week, uh, that they just find more of you in every moment, that you just become more real, more tangible, more up close than ever before. I thank you, Jesus, that you take your strides at our pace, that you're not pushing us or shoving us or prodding us, but that you're walking alongside us. And I ask, Lord, for just a supernatural grace to love ourselves well, to extend compassion to our hearts, to extend compassion to our processes. And I just ask, Lord, that as they live out the next couple hours of this day, whenever they started this podcast, that they are just filled with an abundance of peace. Yes. That any anxiety or fear that can come up in relationship, especially when you find out that there is room for growth in relationship, that it just bows at the feet of Jesus. We thank you that this is simple. It's not difficult. It's not this strung out long process that they're going to spend the next 800 years trying to figure out. But that it's a beautiful journey that each day gets easier. That each day they feel closer and more connected to the world around them. They feel more authentic to themselves. Lord, I just ask that you bless them with every spiritual blessing. We love you, Lord. We're crazy about you. This is all for you. Amen. 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 Thanks again, Kara, and for everybody listening. God bless you. We love you, and we will talk with you soon.